Mike, welcome to the Huxley Morton podcast. Um, you are the CEO of Idea Pharma. Um, give us a quick introduction uh, about yourself and, and, and your business and some of the, the fantastic things that you guys have been doing over the, the past 18 months or probably more so, you know, closer to home and, and, and this year since the pandemic broke out. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm CEO at Idea. Idea is a kind of global pharmaceutical consultancy. So we, we operate purely in the pharmaceutical biotechnology space. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we work on, uh, we work with large pharma on helping them figure out how to take the stuff from very early phase through to the market. Um, you know, uh, advice on commercial uh, uh, clinical development and on regulatory strategies. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, this has been a, been a good year. It's been our, our biggest year ever, uh, which, you know, you know uh, March, April time looked a little bit you know uncertain right but uh yeah that's been a, been a good time i think Mar- march april nobody around the world knew at all what was going on i guess for, for for me as a business we cover international engineering and pharmaceuticals recruitment but we were hearing whispers of things as early as probably january and february completely yeah. maybe i overlooked it you know it was like oh anything like this is not going to shut down at a city like london it's just just unheard of um and yeah. then everything sort of broke out but look we'll maybe come on onto that so you guys are offering offering consultancy services to, to biotech and pharma companies to take their drugs from early stage through to uh, to market effectively but i know that you guys have now been going 20 years um so yeah. look to, to reverse kind of way way back um, how on earth did you kind of get into this? What what was the idea behind idea? Um, sort of back back when you when you kicked off as a business. Um, well, it's, it's it's like a lot of stories. I suspect that you hear of people um, who will tell you the story about you know planning uh, to, to to be successful, and we never did. We were uh, uh, accidental. Uh, so I, I left a company that I was at. You know, difference of opinion about how they should go forwards. They were just acquired by a large um, uh, company, mm-hmm. uh, which had plans that didn't align with where I wanted to be. So I, I kind of stepped away and um, and had a really useful period of garden leave, if if I would say that. You know, when mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to get another job for six months. Yeah. Uh, the, the the great news was it coincided with you know having uh, my daughter was just born and. And I wasn't traveling, so you know the lifestyle was way more appealing. Mm. You know, being on garden leave than than going back to the grind. Um, but some clients that I had, um, you know, wanted me to continue, you know, under the hood, if you like, uh, kind of uh, working with them. So the, the idea of starting a consulting group kind of came out of that, which is if we if I earn half as much, this is a much better lifestyle. Um, so we started idea as a kind of brand name so it was always planned to be bigger than me at some point but you know mm. just to have a operating name i started in this room actually 20 years ago 20 years this month wow. and um so a little bit of full circle there mm. uh but uh but yeah and you know a it was definitely more fun uh and b we ended up earning a lot more than i had been earning anyway uh so before um but the early years were kind of accidental growth right you know we were good you know just naturally good at doing what we're doing so we kind of grew accidentally into all sorts of stuff Mm. um you sort of wind the tape forward a lot it took a long time for us to realize that 
you know, that accidental growth is nice, but actually it creates its own problems. And, and certainly the idea of growing on purpose. So it came to us about 10 to five years ago, and then we spent some time trying to get that right. And probably the last five years have been more deliberate, if you like, than, mm. so it, it's, it's, you know, it's 20 years, but you know, you change shape, you, you pivot, you look at the opportunity, you realize what people really want from you instead of, uh, instead of what, what they think they want and then mostly focus the, the, the activity down. And also for me to get out of my own way and say, look, we need a leadership team that's gonna enable yeah. this growth to happen. Okay, so but like, just talk to me again about the, the, the early days. So it came about almost, not necessarily, well, it is kind of by accident and it was just through, demand from people that you had worked with with previously and that's similar to myself as um, with a recruitment business you know i i was one of the top performers at, at my last firm i left there after you know just i just wasn't necessarily enjoying the big corporate structure etc um and i didn't really know what i was going to do i thought i would maybe go back into um just sales sales training which is what i'd done previously um and i got pulled back into the industry just uh, you know, by requests of, of clients that were a little bit disgruntled that I had either left or they weren't getting the service that they wanted. Um, and here I am kind of five years on going strong and, and looking to build on it um, more so. But for, for yourself, um, so how many were you, how many, you know, how big was the team back then when you, when you did kick off? Because I'm guessing the, the co your contacts knew you. Um, so how did it go from, from you to, to others? How, talk me through that process. Yeah, so um, I mean, there was me and the dog, and you know, my wife, and you do, you yeah. do the kind of uh, the, the kind of handing around of the phone mm. uh, when it goes. But also a lot of freelance support for you know, we would take on you know digital projects, we take on you know strategic work. Some of it I could do solo, some of it was was farmed out. So idea always felt bigger from from day one. And the reason it wasn't sort of Mike Rare Consulting was you know as, as you know the, the, the you know some some people will need to deal with people of a certain scale if you're you know the world's largest pharmaceutical company. Mm. You know the, the idea that some bloke called Mike out there who can who's quite smart is not enough. You need a you need confidence so we needed to um be sustainable in in, in that way so we you know a lot of associates who you know actually still work with us 20 years later who also prefer the freelance lifestyle yeah um took about two or three years and i think a lot of people saw me having fun uh that uh, that they'd like to join in with so that so we just kind of started accepting you know uh rebels and mavericks from you know people that we'd known along the uh, along the way um nice. so i'd say that kind of accidental growth was you know, yeah, yeah, come and join us. It's uh, the, 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 there's, there's plenty of room for everyone, mm. um, and you know, you create this kind of organic mess. But you know, always, you know, with with me at the front of it, there was some semblance of order. But it was, uh, um, let's say, it was like a kind of pirate ship, if you like, of uh, you know, you know, people doing good work, but not, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily having a plan. Yeah, well, look, I, I guess that I, I can relate to that. It's, it's similar to us. We've we've grown organically through demand, and we've kind of tried to just hire people that we know, like, trust into the business, rather than you know actively going out and saying, "Oh, we want to hire five people this year, ten people next." And and it yeah. it has been you know it's been nice that way because we've grown with certain clients. If if they've had bigger needs, we've said, "Okay, look, we're not huge." However, mm. we will take on you know this individual in order to, to manage that account, etc. It sounds as though you've done yeah. exactly the same, um, yeah. and it's been enjoyable because you are working with 
people you like, but also with with clients um, that you like. And, and you and I touched on that when we spoke originally. And I, I loved your philosophy on this is, you know, just the fact that you don't, not all business is good business. I think that we agreed on, yeah. on that. Um, yeah. And you talked me through a scenario about sort of um, individuals within teams. Um, so I, I, I kind of loved your analogy on that, you know, basketball, rugby, football, et cetera. So just share that one with, with us for, for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that kind of cultural insight for us was, I think because of the way that we started, it never felt like, you know, like I'm going to say that professional kind of boardroom type approach, which is, you know, you have to chase the numbers. So we had a policy from very early on that our team was really important and the culture is really important. So we wouldn't just take any work. Mm. You know, there's some work that we wanted to do and some work that we didn't want to do. And if we didn't like, you know, uh, the ambition of the client, if we didn't like the way that they spoke to us, you know, all those things were, were sort of small things, we would walk away from work. Yeah. Um, and there was some concern there, right? Because when you're small, especially when the bills need to be paid, the, the idea that you'll take the work that comes through the door feels like the obvious thing to do. Mm. Um, we didn't do it. And actually, looking back, it was a, you know, slightly about the sort of pirate ship thing, but also, you know, people who come into work on a Monday want to do great work for great clients. And uh, the more that we've done that, you know, we've taken on work that we enjoy and the, the one where the client has you know set a level of ambition where they want great work back and that that two-way challenge is, is has been really important yeah. and then the, the thing about the the sort of size of the team was also to try and reduce the dependency on any one of us that uh you know i think the, the basketball football thing is is really important that you know when, when studies are being done on how important a good player is uh in a basketball team if you're one of five you can win the game you know if you're if you're a great player you can win the game all by yourself uh so in basketball you're as good as your strongest player in football you're as strong as your weakest player and you know in a, in a, in a, in a team of 11 you know if you've got a terrible defender or you've got a terrible midfielder that's as that's as strong as your team can be yeah. um and i think then that that was an observation as we as we've wanted to grow as well because you know I could, I, I could take care of things when we were three to five. Mm. As soon as you get to 10, 11 or 15 or 20, then you, then you, you actually, the people that you're putting in front of clients. So that confidence, that sort of, you know, um, it isn't just about the, the money, it's about the enjoyment. That becomes a positive feedback loop. So we've ended up being, you know, rid ridiculously successful with some of the brands that we've worked on for our clients. Mm. But, you know, we're not going to take credit for that, I think that's them being a great client as well as uh, as well as us being able to to, to feed them you know yeah. and if you start taking the, the the not so good clients then you know all of that changes overnight oh believe me i believe me i've been there at times so um yeah i yeah. absolutely loved it when you explained that and now i, I massively agree it's, it's a case of it business is always a, a two-way street and yeah. it's got to be a, a, a mutually beneficial partnership otherwise there's just no point doing it it's not enjoyable yeah. and if you yeah waking up on a Monday morning thinking, shit, I do not want to do this today, then you're in the wrong job for, for, for me. Yeah. And it's, um, so look, yeah. it sounds as though you guys have kind of absolutely nailed that. Uh, and that's why yeah. you were successful in the early days and, and grew uh, in the yeah. way that you did. Um, yeah. It sounds though, when you and I last spoke, you said maybe the last sort of 10 years or certainly the last five is when yeah. you guys have said, look, there's something that's really happening here. We need to have 
systems, processes, and really start looking at this from a business perspective rather than, you know, our own little journey and, and, and venture. Um, yeah. So how have things changed for you guys in the, in the last five years? What, what, what have you done differently to take you from, from where you were running the lifestyle type business to, to what you're doing now? Um, so I think, I mean, uh, uh, we have, and I think that some of it was about saying, look, the, the, if you start to behave like the people, like the people you want to become instead of the people that you've been, um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons clients liked this was that they would get access to the senior folks to kind of, you know, the, the, the people that they wanted to work with. Mm. But if you try and do that and you try and run the business and you try and, you know, talk to the bank manager and you try and do all those things yeah. and you try and do the hiring and, you know, it's, uh, there's a, there's a recipe for disaster that way and i think that was what we saw right we saw the sort of instability of trying to do everything you know everyone chasing the ball around the field yeah. um is that you've got to play in position and some people are great at being a goalkeeper some people are great at being a defender and they like doing it and they're really good at it and actually that's a foundation to build on so you know i definitely this we look back and said look people like us for for this but there's a lot of things that we could do to improve so we can do that more and we can scale it and we can have, you know, the ability to, 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 to reach more great clients. So, you know, things like hiring, we'd hired a chairman who, you know, had been a FTSE 100 uh, CEO, um, you know, lucky enough to, 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 to know him. But yeah, well, actually, there's a role for someone like that who knows how to scale. Yeah. businesses who knows how to do deals there's someone you know we need to listen to a good finance person and even then you know say 10 years ago we'd said that we need someone to be in charge of this you don't necessarily get the right person the first time around so you so you learn by mm. you know realizing that uh, some people sound confident but are not uh, right and and then you go through a process so really this was about trying to find the right people who you know shared the values distributed the load you know, some people like hiring and they like managing and they like that kind of stuff. And if you're not good at it, best thing to do is to recognize it and say that there's a, uh, there's a, there's, there's a thing that we can build here and distribute the, you know, play like a team, you know, people in their, in their positions instead of, you know, relying on the, on, on one person to, to win the game. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it sounds as though it's kind of your, your vision, but you've brought in a backing group to say, okay, look, I can't do it all myself. And, and you're quite, you know, you're very open about it and, and you admit that, you know, you're not best placed in certain areas, right? You know, and, and, you know, that's what I like about the fact that you're very transparent on that. And you've said, hands up, this is where I, I can use support. Yeah. So how has that planned or, or played out for, for you guys? Because I know there's most entre uh, entrepreneurs, my, myself included, it's normally quite hard to let go of the reins. And like, for, for me, I've, you know, I want things done in a certain way and that's my vision for the business. I want, you know, the service to be absolutely the pinnacle of what we do for, for recruitment. Um, and the way that I've had to do that is to put in specific systems and so that it can almost be templated of this is how we do it at Huxley Morton. Have you guys done the same or, or what, what processes and, and, and things have you brought to the table that have allowed you to keep that, you know, yeah. dynamic feel that you had in the early days? Yeah, I think there's a lot of introspection needed. I think that you, you know, as an individual and as a company need to see where, you know, where your strengths are and weaknesses are because 
mm. you know, I mean, we might be quite good, but if we're letting, you know, if the slides aren't any good, then people can't use us. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's very basic stuff. And I think the same is true with the skills is you need some operating tension. You need someone that tells you that you're wrong. You need someone, you know, and you need to trust the people who are good at the other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky that I was well aware of my weaknesses, right? You know, you do all of this, you know, the Belbin tests and all the other things. I, I, I peek in a couple of areas, but not very many. Um, so I wasn't a control freak. So I was, but the downside of that was I also had to learn not to be too comfortable to hand everything off. So, you know, mm. you, you hire a, C, a CFO and you let them do it. And then you wonder why you've got no money. And then you look at why they're doing, but what, they're, yeah. what they're doing. And then you go, wow, that wasn't very smart. Um, so the idea of giving enough rope, but not, you know, not delegating all of the responsibility uh -huh. was, was learning. Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the role of systems, I think, is not to import somebody else's. We had to look at what we were doing that was uh, active you know, and valuable and also look at what we were doing that was active and not so good. Uh, and, and that becomes part of the training, right? If you're going to bring people in and teach them, you know, it can't just be, you know, Mike's, a, Mike's an industry veteran and he knows what he's doing. You go, well, yes, but he's not magic. There's mm -hmm. got to be a thing that he's doing that is repeatable, right? That, that, um, uh, and that we can do on purpose. And the great thing is, you'll know from a, in a consulting group is, you know, you get paid for the amount of work you do, not for the, you know, not for the insight that you had at two in the morning on a, mm -hmm. on a Sunday night um so that forms a kind of basis for saying look, the thing is repeatable yeah and it isn't just about us giving them an answer it's got to be about them working their own way through it so they arrive at an answer that they're happy with mm. and actually that that became how we built this out and said look you know we're going to teach you the magic we're going to we're going to show you the kind of uh the way that it happens we're going to help you collaborate we're going to help you ideate we're going to help you come up with a, your your answer and it's going to be a better answer because you came to us and if you went somewhere else but if we hadn't been able to kind of you know pull the ingredients out of the special source you yeah. know it wouldn't, it wouldn't be scalable in that way yeah but that's I, I think what i like there is yeah just how much of a focus there has been on on the communication and collaboration side of things because mm. for me mm. no matter what business it is and what you're doing if you work with your clients in a way that they want to work you can't go mm. too far wrong right you know it's kind mm. of like they're happy you're happy in it is that mutually beneficial collaboration that you're looking for uh, and yeah. if you're getting the results that go with that it's kind of win-win for everyone yeah well and breaking through that you know things that you assume they know about you and things that you know they assume you know about them mm. i think the more dialogue the more you know especially if you've got long long relationships yeah i think you've got the hope that there's a tacit understanding of what you both want but i mean sometimes it's better to make that explicit rather than implicit so that you know you know both what you're working to that's much easier to hand to your colleagues you know if, if, if they've got to keep coming back to you and to say you know do you think that they want this or do you think they don't want that um you know that, that's wearing i think the idea of saying that some of the system needs to be about you know making sure that we both agree um and that we've both had a chance to say what's possible and what's desirable and you know and some of the parameters that might matter and you know we're not um to ashamed to say that it's more imp important that the client gets this in a month than that it's the best thing they've ever seen now that might be really what was what's, what's driving their request of us so uh yeah i think that that, that kind of stuff comes from dialogue mm. and I, yeah I, again i i would agree you know 
many of the time we've had similar conversation with our clients when they're hiring staff it's it could be an absolutely critical role and yes you would like to get superman into that role but sometimes if the activities that that individual is going to be doing is so critical is it not better to to get it done than to have it perfect and yeah i think you know i'd i'd, I'd agree uh with that but so coming on, you know, in terms of your role now as the, the CEO, talk us through your, your typical day, because you've got operations running over in, in the States now as well, right? So how, what's, what, how is your typical day made up now? What's the best part about your job? What's, you know, perhaps one of the more irritating, if you're ever involved with the IT, that's, that's my bugbearer. But um, yeah, talk, talk us through your, your, your role now. That, that's what it is. I've always been an Apple fan. So from day one, we've, we've been Apple. So, you know, that, yeah. that made life a lot easier on the IT front. Um, so, well, actually, a typical day is an odd, odd thing because, you know, we've got a range of clients, a range of different things. But uh, so I kind of touch those a little bit. You know, you've got to interact with them. Um, and, and that's part of the pitch is that, you know, mm. you do get the senior folks when you work with us. Mm. Um, but a lot of the job that I've had to get comfortable with as a CEO instead of just being a good consultant has been the, the thought leadership, the, the communication, the kind of essentially the selling of a, of a company at a kind of macro scale. Yeah. So, you know, I spend time on social media that, you know, could easily just be a distraction, but you've got to do it on purpose. Mm. You know, um, and, uh, and, and some of thing about, you know, spending time with the folks internally and making sure that, uh, I mean, you know, you think you've said something and then you realize that you've got to say it 20 times to to have it really be something that people believe mm -hmm. that you mean, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So this is what's been this journey. So so portfolio approach to, you know, engaging new clients, um, you know, learning that at our level, even at our level, you know, because we're not huge, mm. um, that the, there are people who are comfortable to interact with me uh, you know, at, at a certain level, you know, CXO sort of level at a, in, in a pharma company, and then you know, and there's and then then there's there's matching and of different people within our organisation, different levels yeah. in there as well. Mm -hmm. So some of it's that it's the, just the, the constant contact. And you know, 2020 has been a great example of that. That you know, usually you fly around the world and sit down and have coffee, and now you're doing <laughs> virtual coffees. Um, yeah. You know, so you know the afternoon Sunday morning, the morning might be Basel, mm. um, but um, it's wow. You know, you've got to know what they want to get done as well. Mm. Um, so some of it's almost new product development. We're sort of, you know, trying to uh, to further our leadership in some of the areas that we're doing. So some of it's product design. And I think, you know, you'll say the same thing. I think if you're engaged with the day-to-day, -day, it's easier to do the kind of stuff which is about thinking about new ideas. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so it's, you know, I'm not a particularly focused individual. So, you know, the, the kind of... <laughs> then the mosaic is is is, mm. is much easier for me to deal with in it which which might just be sort of self-fulfilling but uh you know, you know i think I'm, I'm quite comfortable with the job of sort of being sort of chief business developer and chief salesman for the organization mm. nice so look you mentioned there that you know often i guess prior to the pandemic because uh, i know that a lot of flights just through for our business have been cancelled you know way <laughs> months ago borders were all shut um so you're not necessarily flying out and jetting here there and everywhere for, for coffee so paint the picture of, of how how that's changed and, and how the the digital landscape and way of working how has that impacted business for, for you guys 
I mean, you're working in the world of pharma, which has just exploded at the moment anyway. Um, how has this this year, you know, looked for yourself? Have you have you faced many challenges with, you know, furlough, working from home, um, having the dogs biting at your ankles while you're trying to sit on your Mac there? You know, how how's, how have things changed? Um, so I think you always need to re reflect the privilege or the sort of the luck that you that you have, right? So. I mean, we're lucky that we're in an industry that is relatively distributed. So, you know, so we've got offices in New York, you know, Switzerland, um, San Francisco. We've got clients in those places and, and, and more. So we always had to have some virtual nature to, to, to what we we're doing anyway, yeah. just to be able to deal with that. But a lot of it was based around this idea that, you know, they would collect in a certain room on a certain day and you focus on the workshops. Mm -hmm. So the first thing was, you know, uh, February, March time was how long is this going to last? Is it, is it transient? Are we going back to normal in three months mm -hmm. time or not? Um, so I think quarter two was hard this year, right? It's because everyone was trying to get used to, let's just wait for this to go away and then we'll be back to, to normal. Yeah. So things that were interesting were, you know, things like contract sign, signing and so on would often take like three months longer than it had. So we were... Mm -hmm um you know waiting for a new business to drop and it would take longer just to get to the point when you know everyone had aligned on that um but as soon as everyone realized zoom is great and and yeah. these these things are that used to happen on a teleconference now happening on you know and you can see people and you can show them slides and you can do all the mm. i think our industry been waiting for that kick to make it happen you know we we was got too comfortable just getting on a plane and going and flying to somewhere for a two-hour meeting and then flying home. Yeah. You know, too comfortable with that. This is, uh, I think, a way of doing things more quickly. Maybe not as well, but you know, I, th I always think that a good answer quickly is often better than a kind of a really good answer in three months' time. Mm. Um, so we sort of leaned into that. We were lucky that we had a client last year who told us that we're in six different places, so all of our meetings will have to be virtual. So yeah. we'd started to work with that idea anyway, even before this happened. So, um, and then, you know, the, the great news was, I think some of this kind of external business on social media, that kind of stuff, we've got a pretty good you know, footprint out there in the industry. Mm. People know who we are. And so the second half of this year has been crazy. People have been sort of, you know, getting in touch with us for work. And, uh, and so the more that we've done, you know, content, the more we've done thought leadership, the, mm. the kind of, you know, this virtual circle, if you like, of they're used to the way the world is now. Um, yeah. They know how to reach us. All those things have been good. And it's been the biggest year we've ever had. So. Amazing, impressive stuff. And it's, it is, it's incredible, isn't it? How things have changed from, from phone calls. Mm. And, you know, for, for me, going back 10, 10 years, I would never do any business without meeting someone. It's no. yet now it's kind of, pick up the phone and then the phone isn't necessarily good enough. It's okay, guys, should we jump on Teams? Should we jump on, on Zoom? Yeah. What platform are you using? Um, yeah. And nothing kind of gets done without without that these days. And it's just so yeah. widely accepted. So it's it's crazy. I know that's one of the big things that I've learned about myself over the probably the last six months is just being able to adapt and actually take on the, the new innovation, which I probably should have done years ago um, looking at it. But I was, I, was, I was stuck in my ways, you know, and, it, and it's brought this... Um, situation to to actually push me into it but it's been amazing for us as, uh, as a business it sounds as though it's it has had similar effects for you guys but what yeah. i guess maybe challenges and, and what have what have you learned about yourself mike over this period where things have changed well um 
I think the the I mean you say when the tre when you jump off the treadmill and you know because you you know because I was used to being on a plane you know two or three times a week yeah. uh, you know mostly transatlantic and that is um, you just don't realize that that's a treadmill you know until it until it stops um, yeah I'm not naturally sociable so you know this of being at home is I'm a natural introvert um, it's you've got to be cautious about enjoying it too much I mean you know there's a lot going on. Mm. It's easy for me. Right? I'm in a, I'm in a room that I have always loved sitting in. I've got my dogs around me. It's it's easy for me. I know some of the folks that work for us don't. You know, they're in their parents' house and they're, you know, on a on a two megabyte uh, sort of dial dial in uh, yeah. connection. Not the same experience. So we've we focus a lot on culture, which was something I'd not thought about actively before. Mm. Uh, and how do you maintain culture in a place where you're not meeting and doing the kind of? Because one of the side effects of traveling. We're spending time on on planes, in airports, uh, in bars the night before a meeting, in restaurants over dinner, and you yeah. know, often seeing how people are in three dimensions. If you can't do that, and you say this this thing about hiring is, you know, we always have this thing is would you hire someone you didn't want to take an eight hour flight with, you know? So we've always had this idea, and of course that's a that that's an interesting thing. So how do you find out about someone on online? So we've had to. You know, we do, we do this thing now called a roundup every week where we do a one hour Zoom call, but it's about everything but work. So we ask people to like do, you know, Zoom backgrounds of their you know, scenes from their favorite movies or, you know, the, or their favorite album of all time. And it's and, and just so the conversation is about everything but work. Amazing. Um, I, like, I like that idea. Yeah. And it's and and it's almost accidental. You find oh, I had no idea about that about you. And then mm. something that happened was that the U.S. folks, the New York team, were saying actually I've learned more about our U.K. colleagues this year than we've ever learned before because we're sort of doing this deliberate stuff. So yeah, I think if you're resilient and you lean into it, I think most situations have got something to teach you. Um, and for me, the kind of I've always had this um, sort of largely anti-consulting kind of uh, mindset. You know, I hate. McKinsey and I hate that kind of idea of, mm. of of things of course this is a big level set as well because you know they've always had the advantage of geography they're, they're at the client there well yeah. there's some there's some leveling up going on at the minute so mm. we're trying, trying to lean into that and say let's you know what kind of opportunities does this present uh, and how can we get our hands around it sure well, uh, yeah I, I mirror that i love the idea with the zoom thing but yeah i think you're spot on with with the internal teams and, and who you work with i mean we covered it sort of in brief earlier but it is it's it's everything isn't it you spend so much of your time or typically in an office um yeah. you know getting to know people and a lot of my good friends in the past have been who have been working at at that time you then leave and then realize actually you, you're not speaking to them anymore so right. you kind of know everything about them and what's going on in their world for that period that you've worked with them but with the whole zoom and, and teams scenario you're not getting that level so i think that's a great initiative that you've put in place of it for your guys um yeah. so that you do you still yeah. got that yeah that camaraderie almost um and it makes you you are then a business rather than just a group of individuals right yeah, well, yeah, and I think it's the, the worst thing in the world is when you see someone as the job that they're doing. And I think, you know, we've often, you, you listen to the way people introduce themselves on kind of uh, group calls, and it's like, you know, this is me, and this is the job that I do, and you go, well, I know nothing about you now, yeah. other than, you know, what you've chosen to do. And, like, you know, as I, you mentioned that, you know, you're a boxer, right? You know, so 
That, well, has, has been, has been. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. I think that kind of thing is is dimension to someone that you wouldn't otherwise know. Mm. Um, you know, seeing whether they smile a lot or saying, you know, those kinds of things, seeing whether they look anxious. I think we're used to these cues, right, as humans, and it's such a key part of collaboration is almost the vulnerability of of, of, of teams. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great observation and sort of collaboration that uh, humor is so important, especially to the Brits. Um, and someone in psychology did this sort of uh, video of chimpanzees with each other, right. and they were and they were sort of giggling to each other. And when you slow it down, it sounds sounds a lot like humans. And and the sort of the observation was, you know, we often use humor as a way of saying, look, I'm not sure this is a great idea, but you know, uh, and when we're talking to each other, we use sort of humor and and kind of smiles and you know, the sort of vulnerability is is, is yeah. communicated which is don't hate me, but, and I think that kind of thing, you really got to say, well, if you want people to collaborate together, they got to be able to offer up half-baked ideas or what ifs or, mm. and, and not be judged for doing it. So trying to keep that kind of thing going has been critical. Yeah. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that all develops over sort of, you know, the next 12 months with, with everyone becoming more accepting and more and more businesses adapting this because we've yeah. all had to. Um, yeah. I mean, I still don't think it's going to be exactly the same as sitting in the office and, yeah. you know, things flying about above your head at times, as, you know, they have done in the sales offices that I've worked in. But, you know, you, yeah. you want to have some sort of, you know, you need to be able to have a, a laugh at work as well, even yeah. if you are kind of removed from, from all of your colleagues. So I agree on that. And, look, yeah. you know, I'm optimistic uh, and just hoping that, things will start to become more normal and we will be able to start to get um, back out. But it'd be crazy not to mention, you know, kind of the elephant in the, in the room at the moment, which is the vaccines, which, you know, mm. we saw sort of the government discussing this week and talking mm. about rolling it out as, as early as, as next week. What are your yeah. thoughts? I, I guess, look, you're not a pharma business yourself, but you're speaking to them all the time, like, like I am. What are your thoughts on, on, on the vaccines? Um, like, and, and what do you envisage for say the world of clinical research and, and pharma and your clients as we head into to next year so it's um well, we do i buy as one of the vaccine uh, manufacturers so it's uh you know I, I think it's been a remarkable year you talk about resilience and, and pivoting you know our industry has done just a remarkable job this year. There's a, there's a book, I've got this book club podcast that I do. And one of the books that was written this year was, was called Biotech in the Time of COVID. Mm. And in it, the guy who's the CEO at Moderna, who's one of the, you know, the, the kind of key vaccine uh, yeah. that we're going to rely on, uh, describes his January and February, you know, week by week in the book. And he's, he's written this in like April, May. Right. So he describes right. week by week what he was doing in China and other places. Right. Um, you got some huge insight into the way the biotech could work in, in, in our industry and the kind of speed uh, that it comes at. But, you know, I, I think it's really important, right? We haven't really had to deal with a kind of global disease like this for a long time. We're going to have a vaccine, fortunately. You know, I mean, we couldn't have hoped or even dreamed of the kind of level of uh, effectiveness that this thing seems to have. Mm. All of the vaccines seem to have a, a good level. Um, so, you know, then it becomes, you know, I've been involved this year in, in the kind of ethical sort of, uh, sort of questions about who gets them first and, and how, and, you know, is it, you know, not just within the country, but across the, across the world, who, who should be getting them first? Mm. Um, and, and these are really interesting questions, but, you know, then you think, well, you know, what are we, 
you know, how do we move through getting everyone to 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 to, to help us protect ourselves in, in this dimension? But yeah, the the kind of we saw. I mean, we've heard great stories this year from people that have had to stop a lot of their clinical studies because if people weren't presenting for their cancer, you know, mm -hmm. treatments, then they couldn't present for cancer clinical studies. Um, but I think a lot of those things are great because it will help the shift a bit like Zoom calls do to things like decentralized studies, you know, so where people can do them from wherever they are and they get re monitored remotely and so on. So that world of innovation that's been waiting to kick in has had an opportunity to do it that it wouldn't have had if we just had business as usual because, you know, most large companies like business as usual. They haven't been able to do it. So this kind of world in which, you know, Zoom calls and, you know, remote monitoring of, of, of patients, remote delivery of care, um, a lot of that innovation, I think will will change things. And suddenly we'll look back and go, this is more attractive. Mm. And, and the analogy I always use is, I don't know how well you know Manchester, but you remember when the Arndale Centre well, in Manchester was... A few times when I was younger for, for boxing and training camps and things, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I lived there about 20, 25 years ago. Mm. It was uh, when the Arndale Centre there was blown up by a bomb, you know, disastrous. Fortunately, no one was killed or injured. Mm. Um, but everyone had hated that building anyway. You know, so, so <laughs> suddenly you got this thing taken out by accident or, mm. you know, by design. But at least, you know, fortunately, no one was, was hurt. And then Manchester transforms in, in the presence of like the opportunity to, to do something different. Mm. Well, no one would have done it. You know, no one would have ever voted in a council meeting to just knock it down and, and start again. Yeah. And I think I think this refresh is, is a little bit the same as that, with the opportunity to build something bigger and better. Um, you know, the, the hiring stuff, I was talking to someone who's head of innovation at one of the, you know, one of the 10 largest companies last week. He said, we've always had this issue getting people to come and live here. You know, you know, they're not in the in the most attractive part of the world. So he said, mm. but now we're thinking we can hire people wherever they are. Yeah. China, India, you know, if they're the best people, we can hire them and mm. they can have the lifestyle they enjoy and they can work together. So right. I think there'll be lots of good to, to come out of this once we get people moving again. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you're, you're spot on there. And it's kind of the remote hiring and the, the hiring landscape is something that as a recruitment business owner that we know about. And it's it's just kind of blown things up. You know, the fact that people can have access to people all around the world has just meant there's so much more competition. Things are so fast paced. It's, it's gone crazy. Um, but look, before we, we wrap things up, look, we, we touched on it a, a second ago. And when, when talking about our own teams and, you know, getting people involved, hearing about the actual person. Um, so look, we've heard about sort of idea um, and how you guys have grown over the past 20 years. Um, but look, outside of, sort of the, the world of, of business um what do you like to, to do to you know enjoy yourself I, i've seen on your your profile that yeah you're involved in um sort of a, a music record label you play afl or, or did and sort of launched a um a league on, on that side of things um you seem like quite an interesting character even taking that the business and entrepreneurial side of things out of it what do you what do you get up to in your spare time mike tell you know just give us a quick overview of that side of things well, that, that, that's where the LinkedIn resume probably looks uh, more exciting than the reality. It's, um, yeah, I did, uh, yeah, university, I played uh, American football and uh, I wanted to, and nothing existed. So I created a team and then, uh, and this is in the eighties, right? So we, uh, and then we needed someone to play. So we, we created a league and, you know, there were two teams in it when we started and now it's affiliated to the NFL. So that's, uh, wow. you know, so that, that was not, and that was, you know, 
I'm going to say I'm very distractible. That was one of the things that meant I didn't get a great university degree <laughs> with, with starting something like that. Yeah. yeah and, a few, and a few years ago, I was, um, you know, I've always been a music fan, always, you know, um, done a lot. And I, I was a critic for MTV for a while. Oh, and, how, um, how did that come about? complete random accident i just got chatting to a guy in a record shop and <laughs> and you know things went wow. and i said i've you know i've always enjoyed writing uh, and um and he said well have you ever thought of reviewing albums oh yeah obviously i have um so and and the gig came about this was in the sort of teletext cfax days and we used to you oh. know sort of write album reviews and then actually when i started this hmm. uh, we also syndicated a music album review column uh, and it, for a while, it was the most widely syndicated album review column in the UK, so around local newspapers and so on. So, but then I got to the point you started to get, you know, too much stuff that you don't like anymore. You know, the, the genre is changing. So, yes. uh, and someone I met said that he'd always wanted to work at a record label. I said, well, I've always fancied having one. So we, we, we started one of those. Um, which is never broken even. So, you know, so <laughs> it took about being a serial entrepreneur. I'm definitely not that. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of good music out in the world that wouldn't have been if we hadn't done it. So it's the thing my wife hates most. Yeah. Um, and then I've got three dogs. I would have another 10. Uh, my wife keeps the tab on that as well. Uh, we spend, and we work with uh, a couple of dog charities to do mm. sort of rehoming and, uh, and that kind of stuff so um yeah so you know do so, things to uh, keep you busy then by the sounds of things and and, and for yeah. a self-confessed introvert you certainly seem to have put yourself out out there in in the past anyway with setting up a business record label american football leagues it's um yeah not not normally what you would expect from someone who claims to be uh, an introvert so um no impressive yeah. i might have to say i think mostly just an accidental you know if something doesn't exist i tend to to to, to so, so why not rather than uh, rather than worry too much and or, or even think too far ahead maybe that's the characteristic amazing stuff well look thanks very much for coming on the show mike it's been amazing having you um it'll be interesting to see how things pan out as we go into 2021 and look, i'll definitely yeah. be keeping in contact just to see how things go i'm yeah interested to hear about how, you know how the advice that you've been giving to your clients now has been panning out and look if, yeah. if things yeah. continue to go as successfully as they have by accident yeah. then now that you've got a strategy in, in, in place look god knows what's going to happen with with idea i'm sure it's going to blow up over the next couple of years yeah well if we if we continue to get great people i think you know that's obviously yeah you want to be an attractive place for people to work as well so mm. try and keep that going to make because you know that's going to be such a huge part of what we do next yeah definitely look mike thanks very much again and um we will speak soon thank you so much james all right good man